Hey everyone, welcome to Trends and Tings, where we bring you real chats on what's buzzing. On this week's show, it's a special one-topic episode, and we're talking all things consent. After some murmurs last week about a consent app, recent March for Justice rallies, a lot of people are talking about sex, intimacy, and safety. So, we're chatting about all things when it comes to the potential new app, recent controversies that have been all over the media, and how us males, really especially, can get a lot better with consent broadly. As always, a very very big welcome to the show. My name is Gordon. I'm joined by the the lovely Scotty. Welcome, mate. How about this monsoon in Sydney over the last? I mean, the weekend was crazy, but really the last seven days, mate. It's been wet and wild, mate, all over the place. Yeah, and we're still copying a bit of it. Like today and tomorrow is going to still be bucketing mm. down. I um I saw an interesting snapshot someone put up on Twitter where 2019 they showed all the New South Wales New South Wales emergency alerts for the bushfires. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As like the whole state in red, and now it's Ooh. the same thing for the whole state in blue. So <laughs> I think it's Armageddon. I think there's something. First fire, second floods. What's next? Isn't like going to rain frogs or something? Isn't there some well, like plague? Wasn't, there is like a plague of rats at the moment, like out, out west oh, of Sydney yeah. as well, right? Like there I was is talking, a plague of rats. I was talking to someone about this today about how like, yeah, they're literally, you know, we joke about the plague in the pod and the, you know, the, the coming of the four elements and all this type of shit. And you're like, well, we're at a point now where it's like, you know, if you start to really look at the last, what, 18 months to 24 months, it's been it's been pretty hectic to say it was in fact to say that would feel like an understatement of the mm-hmm. last you know year and a half. I'm waiting for the big one. I'm waiting for the meteorite to come. <laughs> that that's that's the last one. We've had yeah pandemic, bushfire, floods, mm. rats. Obviously, the meteorite's got to top it. So. He's hoping it's on the other side of the planet. Like, it's let's, not us. Let's hope let's, so. Let's hope so. But, I mean, look, speaking of big things, we yes. have a very big first episode of Real Chats coming up. This week, we're recording with the lovely Zoe Condoliffe from She's a Crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. The episode will be out next next Thursday, I believe. And, look, Scotty, it's going to be a great episode. Uh, you know, we spoke about it a bit last week, but Zoe's got a great story. And, obviously, She's a Crowd working with sort of, you know, data-driven, gender-based violence, uh, trying to make a real impact, you know, Mm -hmm. you know in this area and obviously today we're going to be talking all things consent so it should be a pretty sort of timely topical episode with you know someone like zoe who's got a massive amount of experience and wealth of knowledge in this space yeah i think the real value is exactly that talking to someone who's living and breathing this making real change on the ground um i read her story and she kind of quit a day job to pursue this so Mm. she's super passionate about it um she's already working with some pretty big plays in the government so to have someone who knows what they're talking about and has the evidence behind them, I think it's just a really, it's going to make for a really good listen. Yeah, it should be a great episode. So stay tuned. We'll be releasing plenty of little, you know, little bits here and there, and we'll have the episode out next week for all you lovely listeners. Uh, and look, that leads us right into our mad thing this week, Scotty. And for the first time, and it feels like a couple, you know, a decent amount of episodes, it's a good bit of a combined mad yes. thing for this week, Scotty. Yeah, we had a lovely, despite the weather, oh. we had a lovely weekend for the inaugural mm. Fridge to Fridge, which those at home who are playing, Fridge <laughs> to Fridge is like a pub crawl, but you just remove the pub and tee up your mates' places. And we, I don't know if we really succeeded in walking from each place. I think we managed to get one in. Mm. Um, but, you know, having a solid group of people, just having a few bevs and catching up, it feels like one of those social outings that you probably would have done pre-pandemic every weekend. But I think Mm. this was my first proper 
outing for the year. Yeah, and it was just I, it was a blast. I feel like the it was you're definitely right. I feel like some of you know we talked about restrictions easing up, and this felt despite the monsoonal conditions that we spoke about <laughs> earlier. You know, everyone was up for it. Everyone was keen, and you know, I guess the the modern idea of like a house party has lost like a lot of value over COVID. You know, it's mm. we, we of course have had to move in and maybe do a few more things in the home, but you know, doing things in the traditional sense of like you know not really worrying too much about being 1.5 meters apart from people you can't Mm. really do that when you're in like an inner western sydney apartment anyway um not much space in those bad boys so it was good to see a lot of people um and and look i think it's definitely something that uh you know just missing that human connection i mean i can't remember there must have been roughly about 10 or 15 people that i you know hadn't seen in yeah, like yeah. a long period of time. So, you know, or, or even literally in a year, some of them. So uh, it was good to just see familiar faces a bit and, and you know, get that all in one place type of crowd element, which again, I've been saying this for weeks. It's so weird to say this shit, but like it does have like a really good value, I think, in the moment. Yeah. And look, and small note, if you uh, join our Patreon, you mm-hmm. can join the inaugural Trends and Things Fridge to Fridge. Uh, TBC 2021, 2022. Yeah, and the TBC of venues and crowds and, and everything else that comes with the logistical side of it. But the, yeah, of course. The, it's, it's going to happen, obviously. You know, we, we're going to do it. So, tra- what, patreon.com forward slash trends and things. Go sign up. Thank you to everyone as well, by the way, who has signed up so far. We have had a few Patreons, much mm-hmm. to our shock. Uh, yeah. We have had some people sign up, so we're very grateful. Uh, and look, more to come on that part. So join up and, and you can ask Zoe a few questions for next week's uh, episode as well. So get amongst it. But Scotty, let's not get off track. What we're vibing times. We've got two tracks each. What's on your radar, mate, for this week? Yeah, this is a bit of a pop-inspired uh, what we're Ooh, vibing, which okay. I'm not... Not surprising for me, but the mm. first one is uh, a track called Rebound by The Million. Um, they're an Aussie indie pop band, and it's sort of really repping that late 90s pop void that I think they were all feeling. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This track in particular reeks of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, um, oh. tracks like Bye 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 and Everybody. It's um, super fun, very cliched and melodramatic, but... If you're missing that kind of 90s pop, mm. which who isn't really, uh, it's definitely a good uh, reminder of how good the pop, like 90s were in terms of pop music. So give that a listen uh, and, you know, support a local Aussie band. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the next track is um, me dipping my toes back into K-pop. Of and course. It's been a while. It's been a while, but this is such a tune. It's called House Party by Super Junior. And the thing that brings me back to K-pop is they never follow that standard pop formula they like to like Mm. chop it up and change things mid-song and this is definitely following that kind of theme where uh house party stop uh starts very uh poppy upbeat and fun and then halfway through they're like fuck it let's go trap (laughs) 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 and this is this trap breakdown they rap over it and it's it's actually it flows so well any other artist who did it probably would like slap me in the face but this works so well Um, it's clear to see why Super Junior are like one of the longest running K-pop uh, okay. groups. And I think it's just because of that, got that talent to reinvent their sound and actually make very random parts of music come together and work well. So if you want to dip your toes and get a taste of K-pop, 
uh, Super Junior is definitely my first recommendation. And an early intro to K-pop. K-pop 101, perhaps. Is, is yes. that what, a bit of a... What's it called? Super Junior. Is that what... Because, I mean, I have to admit, I'm not up to date with mm-hmm. the K-pop like you are, Scotty. So, this is a, <laughs> you know, I'll be keep. I'll have to listen. Just want to listen, you know, dip my toes in, in the water of, of K-pop. I highly recommend it. It's, um, it's a rabbit hole. Once you start with one band or mm. one group, you just... Five hours later, and you're like, am I fluent in Korean now? Maybe not. Probably not. But, you know, it's a stepping stone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good one. Um, Gordon, I know you've got two tracks as well. What have you been vibing yeah. uh, over the last week? I've got two as well, yes. And it, the first one is a return by one of my favorite Aussie outfits and acts, uh, Hiatus Coyote out of Melbourne. Uh, mm. The song is called Get Sun. It features Arthur Verokai and... If you haven't heard of these guys, these are massively, in my opinion, slept on like Aussie act. They've been around for for ages. Um, And Mm. they're sort of one of those almost like Jordan Rakai-esque type of Aussie acts, which I think have more of a following in like the States and stuff. Like they've got, uh, you know, they they sort of took off there first. Um, And, you know, in the last 10 years, Australian music has got like a big has had a big, uh, you know, increase in popularity, I would say, on the back of Triple J and stuff. And Hiatus Cody, this is just a very typical of them, sort of neo-soul, jazzy, upbeat, you know, plenty of horns, but sort of got this indie mm. pop feel to it. Um, and they're very genre-bending, right? Like, I wouldn't really say they have, like, a genre. And which, that's one thing I like about them. There's, you know, they are a band, and there's, like, keys and drums and guitar, and um, Nye Palm, who's the lead singer, is is outrageously talented uh and you know this is you just have to give this it's a fun upbeat track it's got this guy yeah arthur verakai who i can't say i was super across before this track but he's like a brazil a very popular brazilian composer um so you know these these horns that are in it throughout you really get this sort of it's almost orchestral in a way like a fun upbeat orchestral vibe a lot of smart crisp production so if you if you like any of those bits they've go and check it out and they've got a tour upcoming at the end of the year so if you're liking what they're putting out you know keep an eye out i think tickets go on sale next week i'll definitely be getting tickets uh so that's my first one by hiatus cody and following up with another great uh aussie act who is i feel like getting into the territory a friend of the show uh by you know all accounts and music is hayden james uh this song's called foolproof and it's with gorgon city and nat dunn what a trio um you know it gives me very bronson vibes you know local aussie act along with sort of an international duo uh gorgon city of course doing epic stuff out of the uk i think is where they're based um and it's it's just got that classic you can feel both parts of the sound in there as well it's like got that deeper element from sort of like gorgon city and and that more sort of tech house vibe and then mm-hmm. hayden james sort of adds that uh you know more poppier sound and, and tropical sound that he's been focusing on uh, and that done provides a bit of a darker vocal if you like camel fat's recent stuff i think this one will really sit well f- w- with you so give this one a play foolproof by hayden james gorgon city and nat dunn scotty where can people give this a listen if they do want to have you know a cheeky play for either of these uh you know songs that we've suggested yeah look if you dig any of our music recommendations you can find us on spotify trends and things what we're vibing we're also on instagram and twitter at trends and things and on facebook trends and things podcast crew where we have our link tree with all the recommendations from the past few episodes Hey guys, look, before we jump into this week's topic, it's a quick heads up that we'll be talking a little bit about sexual assault, rape, and domestic violence in this period. So if you or someone else that you know needs support for sexual assault, violence, or abuse, call 1-800-RESPECT, that's 1-800-737-732, or visit their website, www.1800respect.org.au. 
All right, Scotty, look, a big topic this week for our solo topic episode, and we're talking all things consent. Now, a few stories have bubbled up over the last few weeks, and potentially even if you wanted to be nitpicking about it, the last few months, really. Uh, you know, we saw Tinder announcing a sort of like a partnership or partnership to be with Garbo, which is a, uh, you know, background checking uh, service uh, to sort of make their app more safe and to provide more options for their users when it comes to dates and meeting up with people. Uh, we saw, of course, the March for Justice rallies that were going on across the country, uh, very much led by Brittany Higgins, Grace Tame, and, and that you know, got a lot of people talking as well. And then sort of third, and the, I guess the biggest one, uh, which I'm sure you caught, Scotty, Mick Fuller, who's the New mm. South Wales Police Commissioner, came out and sort of suggested, uh, I think, ironically enough, writing in like a News Corp article, potentially, um, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, a consent app could help solve this problem of, of consent and, you know, conviction rates with sex crime cases, uh, you know, because they've been, they've been sort of creeping up uh, uh, especially in New South Wales. So it's obviously a problem. Uh, mm. So it's sort of like, you know, what what's the solution? And, you know, obviously that consent app chat got a lot of negative feedback, especially on places like social media, of course. Um, you know, and it's, it's sort of funny. I was doing some research around this and ironically enough, you know, we often hear that the, the Scandinavian countries, your Sweden, your Denmark, your Iceland often have quite good uh, sort of early adopting, you know, type of uh, rates when it comes to, these types of things or like, you know, mm. being sex positive and having, you know, dwindling rates of sexual abuse. And Denmark, I think last month, they trialed a sort of like a consent app. They had about 5,000 people who signed up. So not necessarily heaps of people uh, that downloaded the app. Um, and according to, um, you know, all the reports out of there, it's still very much something that needs a lot of work. Um, and mm-hmm. it makes me go, if, it's, <laughs> if they're struggling a bit over there with things like consent apps and stuff, like, you know, we probably need a fair bit of work to sort of really get it adopted here um so look a few things have been happening around the place and obviously um there's a lot of discussion about consent in general when it comes to you know relationships and you know sexual encounters and and all this type of stuff so obviously i'm sure you're across most of it scotty but what are your first thoughts i mean let's talk about this app this potential for the oh, app yeah. first because you know obviously a lot of people are talking about it Mick Fuller sort of got a bit, little bit of a roast I saw some people saying oh maybe his his heart is in the right place saying you know okay we, we should teach guys to be better and stuff absolutely mm, but you know mm. we need to deal with the problem so what was your what was your first reaction what was your gut take on it originally when you saw this sort of news drop out yeah the app idea was a Dumb idea. And look, I want to give Mick Fuller props for calling himself out and saying it was probably one of the worst ideas he's had uh, all year. Uh, but he comes from a, like a good place, I think. Um, I know, I think it was earlier this month in the New South Wales budget estimates where you kind of get the chance to question a few things. He was trying to make the case. He was trying to make the case that we've seen like an increase in, rep- in reporting for sexual assaults, but the conviction rate is like hideously low and so it Mm. needs to be addressed so it it wasn't a good idea in practice and it's just i don't know i just don't think an app like that can be so black and white like when you consent like what are you going to consent to and that changes over time so if at the start of when you see someone you consent to something and things go sour and they say oh no wait but the start you gave me this consent on the app so clearly you're down for anything Mm. it just it's very murky waters you kind of get into um so I think, I think obviously tech does play a, a role in this because 
I imagine if it's not a dating app, it's a dating website. Those are very prominent things that people are on to try and find someone. Um, but I don't think you can have such a black and white mechanism like consent, a consent tick box or consent mm. um, questionnaire sort of thing because it just doesn't cover the whole spectrum of things that could happen. It's super vague. It's super vague. And I think, yeah, I think that whilst I do, I do agree in the sense that I think probably, yeah, sure, Mick Fuller's, uh, you know, probably it was in the right place or heart was in the right place. Um, I do think as well, you know, as the New South Wales police commissioner, not just mm-hmm. like, you know, your everyday Joe just giving their two cents on how to improve something. Um, there, I, I do wonder if it was his place to sort of come out here and announce this to the media, like him saying, oh, this might not be my best idea, idea ever, but here's my idea anyways for you to all yeah. consume. Uh, so I think, I think yeah. and you know what, like I, you look at some of the stuff that New South Wales police have done. You talk about, you know, strip searches at festivals or, you know, mm. all that type of stuff, breaching a lot of like common human rights, I would say at times. I, I wonder whether he was the right person to talk about this. I can understand where he's coming from. You know, he's dealing with, like you said, the rising of these, um, you know, sexual abuse numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously we're going to chat about what we think there might be some potential solutions around this. But um, I I do think maybe it was communicated a bit poorly. Like, you know, don't just come out and speculate about ideas. Like have a, like come out with some legitimate things perhaps, which will, you know, do you know what I mean? Like communicate some change rather than, oh, you know, here's just an idea. It might not be my best one, but here it is anyway. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The fact that he wrote it in a opinion piece for the Sunday Telegraph, which is a like a Murdoch-owned paper, you got to wonder what the editorial process as well, because you know you got to sort of say, "Hey, Mick, we, we read the first draft of your article, and this one's probably not a good idea. Go back mm. and rewrite this." You know, like I think there definitely could have been mechanisms in place to just oh, say, yeah. "We appreciate where you're coming from, but look, you know, it's not really." Um, constructive to the kind of conversations we're having at the moment um why don't you put forward something like a I, as a police commissioner i'll work to change the laws because that's sort of his area right he's not a tech guy he can't mm. be spouting like you know it's like it's like everyone after like a few beers like let's start a business or let's start an app that that, that was my oh kind of my vibe God. it's like five beers in it's like you know what we should make an app for this you this know, is that, the government that like, solution to to the world's problems like yeah, covid to, let's build yeah. an app just make an Cons- app. Issues with consent. Let's build an app. Like, Let's build an app. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, speaking off the apps, because obviously that was a bit, one of the other parts of the big parts of the announcement that came mm. through over the last week was was Tinder sort of announcing that they're doing this partnership with Garbo. And um, obviously, again, sort of consent, it's got a bit of a different angle on it because obviously it's background checks and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, obviously that, that news was sort of, I think it was a mixed response in sort of some people were like really positive with, you know, more tools that you can get the better. But then there was conjecture about sort of potentially people having or users having to pay for the, for the service and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, I was across it a little bit, but I know you were following it quite closely. So can you just yeah. walk us through this one? Cause obviously, yeah, Garbo, probably not many people have heard about Garbo until now. I certainly didn't know much about him. Um, and they've sort of come onto the scene now. So yeah. Can you walk us through what, what you know about this one? Yeah. So it was announced in a, press release last week which match group who owned tinder sort mm. of partnered with garbo which is a female-led uh, not-for-profit that deals with uh, like background checks so 
um, they usually they already work in the space and they give their data to like private companies and government mm. organizations. And the whole way this feature will work is um, once you finally match with someone, you can then run a check on them uh, to see if they've had any prior convictions. And then that mm. will help you determine whether you want to go ahead with the, you know, like with the kind with of the conversation that. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Okay. The weird thing though is it's, only trial well not the weird thing i guess i understand like a market viability thing they're only trialing it in the u.s later mm. this year so it hasn't even launched yet it's, it's still like up. yeah technically an idea and um in that statement they said it will be a paid feature which i feel like it's super counterintuitive right like mm. hey we care about safety but that safety is gonna like cost you, gotta, you 12 dollars like a, a month tinder, tinder pro or whatever it is like user to like access safety features correct yeah so i think like it almost sounded perfect, right? Like if they just said, you know, we understand the climate of dating right now, because even the head of security came out and said, you know, um, women have been um, targeted and preyed upon. So they've come out with this big statement, mm. like they care about safety, and they say, but wait, there's a price tag. So I, I feel like that price element is a real sore point because you can't really commercialize safety in this sort of, in this space. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's also other chat around what if people just sign up with fake numbers and fake names so mm. they can there's already like a workaround to it so I don't know I thought maybe a stronger angle could be and I know there's a bit of push against this with um, like you were applying for a driver's license or a passport you get those points of ID I think stuff like that mm. would help at least verify that it's an actual person that can be tracked and kind of um, ta- like there's ownership on that person. Um, this feature that can already have, that already has sort of like holes in it. I think it's just like how successful is it going to be when, if you have the real creeps and pervs on there who already know they can work around it, they're just going to work around it. They're they'll gonna- find ways. Yeah. They'll find ways. And I think that was my, well, I I'm not even just me, a lot of people online, but like you said, it, that's the biggest concern, right? It's okay. Well, if these guys are going to have, you know, consent apps or background checks, they'll find ways to, to just bypass mm-hmm. it or essentially game the new rules, right? Like, sure. A lot of people probably just won't be, won't have the, the discipline to do that. And they'll just be like, all right, well, I'm, I guess I won't use the app or I'll, or whatever. But a lot of people just find ways, like you said, to to work around it and and get yeah. around those things. And I mean, I think that brings us or brings me to one of the points that I wanted to have a chat to you about. And that becomes that it comes this conversation around behavior, right? Like male mm-hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm. We've seen a few, you know, private schoolboy reports come out about like sexual abuse experienced at the hands of students at these schools. I've seen a few sort of like you know like. Uh, you know, students at certain private schools sort of come up and give speeches about how we all, you know, especially at a younger age, we need to be, boys need to be better and stuff like that. But let's mm. just park it for, like, let's park that for a second, right? Because whilst it's, I think it's it's very fair to say we should in, like talk about education and we can get that, get to that in a second. But like, like let's take burglary, for example. If you, if mm. your house, you know, there's constant worries about burglary, right? We've got locks on our doors. We've got alarm systems. And that's because we're worried that, you know, we, we want to have security, right? Because we're worried that people could do, you know, potentially dangerous stuff and, you know, et cetera. So we get, we get locks installed on our doors. We get burglars, you know, alarm systems in so we can deal with, in, in essence, what is just shit behavior, right? If someone mm-hmm. steals from you or tries to rob your house, that's 
may arguably maybe that person not you know doing something wrong or doing something bad um so we can't always like we have to say okay behavior is a long-term goal i think um mm. like we have to really seed that into society and to into into parts of the world from an early period and that doesn't happen overnight so it does a consent app or does you know a, a thing like Gar or a service like garbo in the short term provide potentially you know like some type of security like we're talking about in this case or do you think uh you know that like i've read somewhere that uh, you know people are saying the the consent app would potentially if anything protect the people who commit sexual abuse more because they can sort of hide behind the app saying she you know a mm. person or a, or a sexual partner gave consent and then you know obviously like you said that can be withdrawn technically at any point uh you know during like a sexual encounter and stuff like that so do you think it's these types of discussions these types of apps are potentially sort of good, you know, stop gaps or things to just get us some over some immediate hurdles? Or do you think, okay, we need to just really, if we're going to do any real proper change, we should start with things that are going to have like impacting and lasting effects? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I want to say low hanging fruit, but I think I'm also trying to say that I think it's a immediate solution. And with it, be, like with sexual assault being such a dire um, issue at the moment I think any even like minor adjustments that improve the circumstances for people who are being um, targeted is probably a good thing so but the consent app is you know that has to be worded really like very cutthroat it has to have um, you know I don't know, maybe like checkpoints or like it, it can't just be like a blanket you know do you consent to I think um, Mick Fuller's thing in his article was do you consent to intimacy with this person? And that's just a super vague, like what is Spoken intimacy? like a boomer, like a true yeah. boomer. Like, you know, intimacy could just be holding hands. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Or, so that's a whole spectrum of thing. I think the apps definitely help because it's in your face, right? And then it's in your mm. face. So then you clock what's in my face because there's an issue. So it makes you think. And then, you know, any reasonable person then is thinking that, okay, I'm, I'm going to progress ne- to the next stage of this person, but I've been flag that you know i should be conscious of consent or conscious that you know there's always the risk that something could go wrong so i need to be you know treat this person humanely and fairly Mm. um so i think the app is like a band-aid like it's not going to fix a societal issue but at least it'll catch some idiots who think it's fine to dick around and and try and push the envelope in a way Mm. um but for those you know people have those deep rooted issues i think um, change behavior like you said it's such a long term thing and sure it might be like easier to mold like children and young teens because their views on society is quite um, malleable you can change that mm. but for like older adults I don't I don't know how when you get to that stage when you're like 30s 40s plus and you've kind of had this mentality that you know I can do what I want because I'm this gendered or this I've got this certain mm. amount of privilege I don't know if you can shift that so I also have this like very grim and underlying thing that perhaps the real change comes with the next generation. Like, you know, like certain people of society are no longer around. You know mm. what I mean? And it's not a, it's not a perfect and great uh, thing to think of, but we kind of have these conversations and the perpetrators are older in a way or mm. come from a certain segment of society. So 
The behavior thing is... Are they? Because I'm, I'm like looking at some of these school reports. Like I think... Mm. I don't remember what it was called, but I do remember the reading about this report of like private school boys who are like in there, you know, obviously if you're a private school boy, you're in your roughly 12, you're 12, 13 through to 18. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder if some of these traits are like in a way sort of impacting a lot more younger boys or younger guys than expected. Um, but, you know, just the really mainstream things that make the media are the Christian porters. Of course, in, mm-hmm. you know, overnight we're seeing Jared Hayne, you know, get charged and convicted of like sexual assault. So we're seeing sort of, you know, naturally the more mainstream people are going to be older individuals who are mm-hmm. got a bit of a profile or, or whatever. But I do wonder if, if, it's, if it's maybe more ingrained into like the, the start of, you know, the fabric of like being a young man, you know, that's an element of like, you know, if you're going to to be a popular and successful young man, you're like, you know, you're a dominant guy, you you mm. take control, you take charge. Like a lot of these things that are, are considered masculine in a way, right? And they sort of like just become part of your essence. So I do wonder if it's, if it's potentially just some of the things we see in the media are the older guys or, or quote unquote older guys. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of these reports that also suggest that it's potentially a little bit potentially younger as well. Yeah, I know there's definitely that school mentality of, uh, you know, it goes from boys who are boys to boys club. Um, mm. But I feel like even in those environments, you have like home homeroom teachers or uh, sports captains, sports coaches and stuff like that. Like there's obviously like you don't you're not born as a predator in a mm. way you've adopted that behavior from a role model or like a parental influence on you so yeah, it's still yeah. someone older than that kid who's kind of ingrained those values in them so um in terms of schools yeah it's like i think that's a failing on that on the particular school to allow because that's a cultural thing so it's not just like five boys in one particular year group it's like multiple boys across multiple year groups it's a whole culture of that happening and a school would be aware of that unless they're just a shit school and they're not Mm. knowing what's going on under their own roof um so yeah it's hard right because it's just like it's such an issue that spreads across all like it's not a particular gen like a generation issue or societal issue it's like it doesn't matter if you're upper class or lower class or or whatnot these kind of behaviors stick um, so the solution's hard. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know what like the next step would be because I don't know. Is uh, the thing I was thinking about is um, the one thing that stuck with me is this um, public awareness campaign at the moment here in New South Wales is um, don't be a tosser. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's essentially like a thing that it's plastered everywhere mm. and it's just to curb public littering. And it's really like the approach is, you know, lighthearted in a way because I guess, you know, littering isn't a severe crime. But I wonder if we can get better with public awareness Mm. campaigns um, in every facet of where, like, consent issues happen. So I was wondering, like, maybe instead of a consent app, could you have, you know, um, pop-ups come up on apps to say, and here's a particular public awareness campaign where it might be a survivor story or, you know, The, the harsh reality of the criminal penalties of you if you do something bad like this. Like, I don't know how, what's the best way to deliver education for the different, like, parts of society. I don't know if, you know, I guess you've worked in 
um, like publishing in media, mm. do you think stuff like that that's in your face is effective or does it need to be more subtle and more like interpersonal? It needs to be your mates telling you to be better as opposed to this random pop-up on a on an app. No, no. Yeah, I think I think it is it needs to be all, right? I mean it's a bit of a cop out answer, but like I think it, it does need to be all. I think you make a good point, right? The Tossa campaign, as funny as it sort of was when you were growing up and younger, it's sort of become almost quite iconic, right? Like mm. everyone hears Tossa and you think of littering, right? Um, and I think at that point, it was obviously, I mean, without knowing the full ins and outs of that campaign, uh, it was obviously a big thing, right? People obviously, there, there must have been some type of high level of littering that people, the government was like, you know what? Fuck it. We need to do a massive media mm. advertising campaign around, you know, basically people not littering so we can have cleaner streets and cleaner society and cleaner environment. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, there have been a few powerful like domestic violence ads over the years. Um, mm. And obviously that's one part of, of what we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I think sort of like, you know, maybe a broader campaign or, or advertising campaign, whether it be ads on social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram right through to, um, you know, out, outdoor media or, you know, things that you see on billboards. Like, I do think that is actually a really valid point because there's always a certain level of, um, you know, influence that you can have when you've got these mm-hmm. big, powerful, you know, advertisements everywhere, plastered everywhere. Um, and look, if you wanted to get it like on a really lower level, I think you got to start thinking about sort of like, yeah, like that early child, you know, I'm talking like, you know, five to 10 years old, as like mm. a first time, like I was talking to about this uh, with my girlfriend the other day and sort of we were speaking about how consent as an idea perhaps should be, you know, taught from quite a young age in the essence of not just sex and not just relationships. Mm. So, you know, get making sort of young guys especially feel like they understand that sometimes if you say no to like, you know, this is can I have can I have that for dinner can I have you know this biscuit or like can I have this soft drink um and sometimes that set by saying other things it still means no but just just because you haven't said the word doesn't mean it doesn't mean I don't know if that makes sense I'm going in feel like I'm going in circles <laughs> but you know essentially the idea that if you don't physically say the word no you can mm. still be you know non-consenting that activity so you might not say no Jack, you can't have that soft drink. You might say that term in, in in another phrase and not say the word no, but you do. You still mean that. So that was an inter- I thought that was an interesting idea, right? This idea that you can sort of just you give you know young kids the chance to to understand what their choices impact or how they impact them from a young age, and also uh, you know just the idea of like what consent means in hmm. different areas of life so i was i'm intrigued by that and and what that has to do with a lot of things but if i had to pick my number one way i think the advertising campaign would be is smart and that should happen if they aren't already doing that um Mm -hmm. but i think the one other thing that i'd be thinking about because you know with advertising there's always rules around like you know this quite sensitive topic right like sex and relationships like you're in that sort of 18 plus territory technically maybe there could be some pushback um the one thing i think that should be talked about more is like just sex ed right like 
I feel like up until the nineteen, like the nineteen nineties and early two thousands, like se- casual sex was like a bit of a taboo, like don't you dare do it type of thing, and you know yeah. contraception was very much like you know the curse of the devil. Um, so I feel like now it's very much become something where, and I was reading this great article. You know, we're talking about Jared Hayne before and, and all this type of stuff, and um, I don't know if you've been following this other case with Matt DeBallon who plays for the Dragons, I believe no. in the NRL, but basically he he's also under a bit of a you know. Um, you know, controversy cloud. He was involved in in an, you know a, a sexual encounter with another guy and a girl, uh, and basically, you know, she alleges that you know they raped her and stuff. And she apparently was like sending uh, like Snapchats during it, saying help like to her friends whilst it was happening. Like it was that like yeah, full on. Um, and this is pretty crazy. But like Matt DeBallon, who's you know who's this rugby league player, he he did this whilst. His pregnant like girlfriend was at home, just you know, chilling out. So that's a whole case within itself. He said everything was consent worthy, and of course, Jared Hayne he said the same thing. He said everything that happened it was consented, and they, he, you know, he thought the the female who made the accusations is is or now that the confirmed accusations, uh, you know, mm-hmm. was was agreeing with with everything that was happening. Um, but yeah, this this great article on Mamma Mia by um, Jesse Stevens basically speaks about how. You know, these women are, you know, sending Snapchat saying, you know, help or, you know, in Jared Haynes case, like having bite marks on like, you know, uh, you know, your vagina or those areas. Um, mm. Pretty full on, like pretty, pretty hectic. Like that shouldn't be the things you say after like a sexual experience. Do you know what I mean? Like if in, the whole article was around this idea of like if young guys, if we know enough about sex to actually do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, do we do we yeah. understand it enough to to feel like we're you know we're equipped enough to sort of know this, pick up the signs, and understand when maybe uh, you know our sexual partner is feeling a little bit uncertain or unsure, or is it just this like you know dominant experience where you know they make up you know men make up all the rules? I know what your thoughts are on that, but I feel like that sexual education play is actually a massive part, and like you know it's all it always feels awkward in high school when you're learning about it some PE teachers fucking teaching you some bullshit about putting a condom mm. on a banana and you're like all right it's a bit of a bit of a laugh but that's it right you you have that for a few years in high school and then you you just figure out the rest of it as you go you know yeah i think i was just processing the point you made about me talking to the girlfriend i think even if you didn't have good like sex ed education i think the whole consent thing is being able to read another person's verbal and non-verbal like body language like mm. you know sure you, like if you just because you don't verbally say no doesn't mean that you know your body isn't reacting in a way that they are uncomfortable with the situation so like you know those two cases you mentioned with, with the um, um just a moment ago sure they may feel consent was given but then if in the moment there's just that person is very uncomfortable and they're not responding very well then i think you have the responsibility to stop and check in with the other person you know like i think Mm. um in terms of sex ed you can learn about the indicators when someone's uncomfortable in like an intimate circumstance but then it's like a broader like if you have a um just like a friendly relationship with someone and they're feeling uncomfortable you, you check in like you know if you check in with a mate who's uncomfortable you know because you're trying to experience together you're doing something why can't you be that clued in 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 an intimate setting and i think it's maybe because 
yeah, maybe that dominant male yeah. thing is putting your own needs above someone else. And then I think that breaks down that whole conversation. Yeah, I think we need. So, to, I think we, there needs. Yeah, I think like totally agree. Like it's some of these points are like full on, and it's like it makes you like. I think as guys, like we've sort of got to take onus on that. Like, and even just now in in day to day life, like how do we, you know, make conscious efforts to understand the problem, even if we're not yeah. directly involved, perhaps, um, you know, or feel like we're not, and sort of you know start to make some just changes in day-to-day lives and you know be better in a way almost allies in a way to females and just understanding that you know like there's a lot of you know we we of course saw recently in the uk like uh you know a a young woman was you know murdered by a cop essentially in cold blood Mm. uh just followed Mm -hmm. her and and murdered her and you know there's always the talk about you know when when females go out if they wear like you know uh revealing clothing they're like oh you know the quote-unquote she's asking for it bullshit type of crap which is obviously all nonsense um but there's always this talk right about like um you know from an early age like if you look at media and stuff like females are always sexualized right like Mm, you know in mm -hmm. in pop culture and all these things so i feel like that directly relates to your relationship with like sex and partners and pornography and shit like that so it all starts to meld into this idea right and you start to get these opinions on what you know you should do in those in, in, when you eventually do have a girlfriend or or a, or a boyfriend or a partner or whatever and you then you know what i mean like they start to form these sort of toxic ideas and then obviously a lot of you know young men for example are involved in things like sport where it's just this you know testosterone field environment um you know in that conversation i was having a, having with my partner she thought that you know she made the point that she thinks like you know same-sex schools should sort of just not be allowed which i thought was an interesting idea or she sort of wasn't for it because Mm. like for me for example i went to pretty much i went to a co-ed sort of primary school all boys uh high school and then obviously i went to a um a co-ed uni obviously so i feel like in that i don't know if that was the same experience for you but when i was in Mm. that that sort of like or boys school whilst at times sure it might allow you to be the full version of yourself you definitely i definitely can understand the points about how you not having that daily communication with you know females your age can potentially also be like a hindrance or like be negatively affected on you because like you said you don't pick up verbal cues you don't pick up you know when they're feeling uncomfortable yeah okay you might have groups outside of school but those formative Mm. years are often where you develop like your you know i guess some of your foundational beliefs right or your discipline yeah yeah it's just where you form your social skills so if you like you know if you don't have the opportunity to uh interact with the opposite sex then you're kind of just stuck in your uh you know gendered mentality like Mm. you just don't know how to react um i I, I sort of agree with your partner's um opinion i think i don't like i don't even know why um single gendered schools exist in the first place because i think it just it robs when you're grown up forming those like beliefs and your social cues and and skills and stuff i think a, a big part of that is being able to interact with the the opposite sex so it's not a like it's not a scary thing or you're not you're not in equipped to like handle what comes to that i just think you're probably robbed you're probably mm. robbed of some of life value um by not having that opportunity um and but look it's yeah it's the whole consent thing is um it's a very multifaceted thing um but i think 
growing up in a time where this conversation is so prominent, it gives me uh, opportunity to keep myself in check. So I, I think I find myself, I take longer to maybe approach situations because I'm processing things, you know, like as opposed to just jumping head first and saying, I'm going to go with my gut reaction and mm. that might be bad. Um, I especially take moments to just like stop and think and check in with someone and like the conversation's not hard and that, I think that's the thing that baffles me like you're just exchanging words with another person just to check in and where they are and how they feel it's not like you're doing I mean, it's not like rocket science yeah, yeah great yeah. great use of, be, of the phrase yeah. it's not rocket science <laughs> you're just chatting to someone to check in to see if they're comfortable I think I don't know why that escapes so many people because you appreciate like both people feel more appreciated having that open dialogue right mm. like if you stifle another person's voice just to push forward your own agenda and your own ideas, then like, sure, you might feel great, but you've harmed someone else. And you've, you know, that instance has long-term repercussions for the other person. Um, so I, I know it feels a bit cliche to say listening is key, but like, if you don't listen, then you can't really clock into the other person and see what they're feeling. And I think that's a big missing element when consent fails is because, um, you know, someone wasn't listening to the other person to see where they were comfortable, what their limits were. Because even intimacy, everyone has very varying degrees of what they like, what they don't like. And, you know, I consent to this thing, but no, I won't consent to that. And if you push that boundary, mm. then you're like violating my needs and violating me as a person. So I think consent really does start by just having a conversation and not being so hot headed or arrogant. If someone says no to you, Mm. You know, it's it's not the end of the world. You just got to respect that that person doesn't want a part or whatever you're trying to offer them. Yeah, I think in wrapping, I think it's the points there that you make. I I definitely agree with. I think the the final thing I would say is that yeah, the, a lot of that communication side of 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 sex and stuff like that is quite you know obviously a lot of time it's non-verbal and it's non-obvious mm. perhaps when you just on, on the fact of people saying things but i think yeah the whole idea of communicating sort of it sounds weird to say but communicating whilst you know you're you're in that type of relationship and, and stuff like that like you know i've heard i've spoken to mates who have said you know when they're you know with partners casually you know if they are sort of exploring and, and trying new things and stuff like that the best experiences or the best uh, stories that i've had in, in this type of stuff is when partners have sort of during the moment sort of just little check-ins or little type of things here and there mm -hmm. which just makes them feel way more comfortable and obviously it's such a like at the end of the day yeah sure we you know you can have casual relationships and long-term relationships and everything else it's quite an it's at the end of the day it's super intimate right like you're at your mm. rawest version of yourself pretty much um you're, you're trying things which are you know often quite you know intimate in the act alone so of course it's going to be a little bit awkward perhaps or you know it might feel a bit strange to ask someone if they feel okay you know mid you know sort of you know that relationship or, or mm. that involvement so i feel like maybe even just pop culture like when have you ever seen that in like tv shows or you know movies oh, and mate, so it's, it's rare once. right it's it's yeah. you know sex has always been seen as a bit of a you know a fun wild thing that you do when you when you you know maybe in your younger more transformative years so maybe mm. more representation of like you know what this looks like and what it sounds like and what it is in a consumable way. I feel yeah. like with hardcore documentaries and stuff like that, it might not often get to the audience that most needs to see it. Like the guys who, who arguably need to see it maybe are watching the footy and stuff like that mm -hmm. or watching mm -hmm. sports. So 
you know, how do you get it across in those type of mediums or just, you know, the everyday, you know, big films or TV shows? Like, how do you maybe start to get that across in a, in a more, you know, obviously it's quite a serious topic, but in a more approachable way and just start to sow those seeds a bit. Um, and obviously the education thing is, is I think massive as well. You know, is there any other final thoughts you had in just in wrapping up this one? Yeah, look, I think the, the final thing is I think consent can be interwoven in everything. And so once you learn how to handle consent in uh, like day-to-day relationships, in uh, work settings and, and like any other kind of social interaction you have with a person, if you understand the basis of consent in those circumstances, I think you'd have, I think you'd have a better understanding of consent in an intimate setting because you've learnt those skills and you've mm. picked up the cues to navigate that situation. So, um, I, look, I think it can be exercised everywhere. I think that's my final thing. Absolutely. Well, look, it's definitely a full-on conversation, especially you know. I think we have to, as as guys, you know, specifically, we have to to, to really just listen a bit, uh, you know, and, and hear what, you know, females around the country are saying and, and do as much as we can to, to make them feel, you know, less, uh, you know, I guess just less negative about the whole, the whole situation, because obviously mm-hmm. a lot of people feel really hurt and really upset by it all. So I think that as much as we can show support where we can, uh, you know, please do. And I think just have the conversation as well, right? Like a lot of the time in our, in our friend groups, like if, you know, just, just the guys hanging out or just the boys, you know, have Having these conversations and, and talking about these things and making sure we're, you know a lot of us are on the same page and you know maybe those situations where guys aren't quite on the same page just you know trying to open that that can of worms at times and, and speak about it in a more public or, or you know casual setting and, and see mm. if it can result in some good effects but look overall let's hope it gets better let's hope uh you know whether, whether these apps happen or not it, it makes uh for a positive impact uh, when it comes to all this type of stuff but i think that will just about do us scotty a big meaty uh discussion there on all things consent and the consent app it should lead into a really great conversation with zoe condoliff of course from she's a crowd mm-hmm. first real chats guest so we're excited for that one uh join our patreon patreon.com forward slash trends and things if you want to ask her a question or ask any of our future guests a question uh on future episodes you can help us form you know how we interview uh, our guests on the podcast and and you know support the show as well at trends and things on instagram and twitter trends and things podcast crew on facebook all our usual spots but scotty thank you so much for being on this episode thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one see everyone